You know, we've been looking at, it started a couple weeks ago, there was a guy named Caleb, and God described him, and I won't even go through the whole story, but I'm just going to give you the description that God put on him, that he was a man with a different spirit who wholeheartedly obeyed God. And last week we added a few characters to the story of Caleb that, that occur in Scripture, men with different spirits. One was named Zerubbabel. And he was tasked with rebuilding the temple of God. And there was a prophecy that came concerning him where God told the prophet that, that encouraged Zerubbabel, it won't be by your might, it won't be by your power, but it will be by the spirit of God that you're able to do things. He was a man with a different spirit. And then we looked at a guy in the New Testament who, who one day is afraid of a little girl by a campfire. And a few days later, or 50 days later, he's standing before a multitude of people preaching the goodness of God. And we looked last week at, at the reality that we are a spirit-filled people, that God has placed the spirit of God inside of us. He's given us a different spirit. And from us having a different spirit, there is products, there are promises that should come through that, right? I mean, that makes sense. That's what we're looking at. And today I want to look at a product of that that I started to see as I was reading the verses. These are some verses that we talked about last week. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Now, who is it given to? To each one, why? For the common good. All right, I just, I'll come back to that. There is to one, it's underlined. It was a gimme question, guys. Let's go. Um, anyway, um, to one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. By means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, 1 Corinthians, it's chapter 12, these are called the gifts of the spirit. God gave us gifts, why? Now, can you imagine, I can think of my kids, I was thinking of my kids as I was reading through this verse. Do you know what my kids don't want for their gift to be the family gift? Right? Most of us, when it comes to gifts, we're pretty selfish. Like, I want a gift for me. Ryan wants a golf club for him. You don't want a family gift. But, but as we're introduced, as Paul is describing to the church in Corinth, the gifts that God is giving us, the product of a spirit-filled life, he says it in verse 7, these gifts are given to you not just for you, but for us. For the common good is why he's given you these gifts. We looked at these verses, the fruit, products of spirit-filled living, is love, is joy, is peace. I want to say patience every time because that's the way I learned it. But my word says forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. That sounds good. we got fruit. Fruit of the Spirit is going to be delicious. And then verse 26, like where does this come from? Let us not be conceited, provoking and envying each other. Remember last week at the end of the service, God was speaking to me about fruit trees. 
and about the promise of a fruit tree and that most apple trees aren't growing apples for themselves. I've yet to see an apple tree eating an apple. But I've seen lots of us eating apples. You see, something about this spirit-filled living, there's something about this, this spirit-filled result in us that we start to see amongst the body of Christ. I think we can overlook what I believe is the product of a spirit-filled people. I believe that the product of a spirit-filled people is for the common good. In, in, in my Bible, the headings in Galatians 5, it's first called Life in the Spirit in chapter 5. That's not what's in actually the scripture, but it's some smart guy who put headings in there for you so that we could know what we were reading, put those in there. Some educated guy, whatever else. It says Life in the Spirit in Galatians 5. And it's interesting because Galatians 6, which, come on math people, what comes after 5? That's 6. All right. We're doing good this morning. There was another underlined question for you. Right after that, the heading says, doing good to all. I find it very compelling. The gifts are for the common good. The result of the fruit of the Spirit, this this life in the Spirit, the next chapter says that we're doing good to all. Acts chapter 2. Remember, that's the chapter we preached on. That was the chapter where the disciples, they were in the upper room, they were waiting for the promise that Jesus had given them. They heard this rushing wind and they saw tongues of fire. They began to speak in other tongues. And Peter, that guy with a different spirit, stood up and preached. The last five or six verses of that chapter, it's so interesting because all of a sudden, here's what happens. Spirit-filled living, there's a result from spirit-filled living. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, um, I remember watching Forrest Gump when I was a high schooler. That tells you how old I am. I might not be a smart man, Jenny. Every verse that I looked at, the result of spirit-filled living was a unified body. The result of a spirit-filled people was, was Christian fellowship. It was genuine, authentic fellowship. You know, uh, I, I like to set the bar low so I can jump over it at times, okay? And so I've talked about us, we just have to be a pipe. You know, uh, I've talked about simplifying the things of God right now. God's got me on being a tree. Last week we talked about being, being a fruit tree. There's another tree that I want to look at. The redwood trees in California. They're the tallest trees uh, that we have. Uh, let me find my description so I don't misquote it. 350 feet in height. I don't think we can comprehend 
Those kind of trees, especially not in western Nebraska, sorry. But those trees are very peculiar. So if you've got a tree that tall, you're going to need a root real deep, right? I mean, that's what we would say. A tree that is that tall should have a root that's probably at least as tall as it is, as deep as it is tall. But I think sometimes God gives us these cool illustrations in life. The redwood trees, they say they have this really shallow root system. Like their roots, they're only four to six feet deep. And a lot of times when you see them, they were four to six feet deep, but then it rained. And so four to six feet turned into like zero to three feet deep. But the principle that we can learn from the redwood trees is, do you know how a wed- redwood, man, that's going to be a hard one, redwood, a redwood tree survives a storm or survives the rain? The root systems are shallow, but they spread wide. And you often won't see a redwood tree by itself. Because what happens with a redwood tree and the root system, this is God's design. He designed them this way, is that they're, they're a communal tree. They need each other to weather the storm. And so what happens is this redwood tree right here begins to grow. And my, my roots go out. And then there's another redwood tree over here that begins to grow. And its roots grow out. And guess what happens when something grows this way? And when something grows this way, they start to get intertwined with each other. And then this dude's back here, and he starts growing, his roots are growing that way, and they get intertwined. And all of a sudden, the root system becomes intertwined with one another. So the storm comes, and I'm standing here, and it's blowing me hard, but I'm not the only one weathering the storm. The trees that are around me are all helping me weather the storm. And together, as we stand together, we endure the storm that came before us. People have described this as holding hands underground. That's what they say redwood trees do. They, they hold hands underground. And I couldn't think of a better illustration for what I believe God has designed the body of Christ to be for each other. It's sad that the church isn't the example we use when it comes to holding hands underground. And I'm not just talking about this church, but I'm talking about the body of Christ. The product of what God did in us, that when I asked Jesus Christ into my life, he took that spirit that was in me and he replaced it with the spirit of God. The product of that should be a different life. And the product of that becomes fellowship within the body of Christ. But for some reason, us, at times we struggle with this principle. Even when pastor starts talking about fellowship, we think pastor's worried about people coming to his church. It's got nothing to do with my church, but it's got everything to do with his church. Because all of a sudden, there's people who are standing by themselves. And the storm comes, and there's a giant mess. There's a giant root ball that stands up in the air. Like, I mean, it's crazy to see a redwood tree that falls. We need the product 
of spirit-filled living in us and through us. You know what? I don't know that the redwood trees, when I did my devotion, if you watch those sometimes online, I kept calling the redwood tree a man for some reason. I was like, he, 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 and I stopped myself. I'm like, I'm not sure why I'm calling him a man. Anyway, can you, uh, this redwood tree, we're just going to call me a redwood tree. Do you know what happens when my roots get so far out? I don't even know who I'm touching. Huh? Like I get so far away, I don't know if it's Jim or Raleigh. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter because there's some stability there. And so I want to wrap myself around that too. Man, if we could just be trees. If we could just be trees. You know, Pam led us in an opportunity for prayer. And, and one of the things she said might sound peculiar to people. She's like, Pastor Steve is up here to pray, but if there's someone else in the church that you want to pray with, like that's the time to do that. Why do we do that? Because I want your roots intertwined. Everyone can't just be tied to the pastor. We need each other. Like God, he knew that. When he designed this, this whole thing, he recognized that, that there is a need for each other within the body of Christ. We need fellowship with one another. Not just one, but a bunch. And not just the ones that look like me or are the same height as me. But whoever. My roots come around. Why why fellowship? I talked about the principle of holding hands underground. We read this at weddings when we're doing a wedding, but it's really related to the church. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You know, we like the wedding. We do the braid and whatever else. This is an analogy. It's an understanding of of us in the body of Christ. Yeah, you can do something by yourself. But what happens when you fall down and you don't have the life alert button to push? You can't get back up. If someone's there, they can help you up. If there's three of you, just think you guys can have a good time. You can get so much more accomplished. There's strength in the body of Christ. There's a strength when we come together that you cannot find by yourself. There's a strength in knowing that people are are, are standing with me. There's a strength in having someone to hold tight to when the wind starts to blow. There's a strength in knowing that there's a commonality, which is the Spirit of God, Spirit-filled living, which is coming from us, that we can stand together in the midst of whatever trial or circumstance comes our way. Why, Why fellowship? We talked a little bit in Sunday school about encouragement. Not only is there strength within, within the body, but there's, there's encouragement within the body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10. 
Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Who needs to be encouraged? I do. I tell you what, sometimes I don't like what I'm seeing. You know, the picture I had in my mind when I read this, and and some of you will get this and some of you won't. Have you ever been into a weight room? And there's a guy that's laying down on, on, on the bench, and he's getting ready to push that weight up. And there's some dude that's had way too much coffee that's standing behind him. I love it because they put their hands over that bar, but they make sure everyone knows they're not touching that bar. And then what do they begin to do? They become like speaking in tongues, spirit-filled people. What's the point? Like, really? Because sometimes some encouragement is what we need. Sometimes we need someone who's cheering us on saying, hey, I know, I know you can do that. Sometimes we need someone that says, hey, just take one more step. That says, hey, just keep going. Just just keep on pushing through. I know it stinks right now. I know your arms are burning and you don't feel like you can do it, but I'm standing right here with you. Look, my hands are on the bar and I'm going to lift it if you start to fall. Our roots are with each other. Let's just keep going. Sometimes we need someone who can cheer us on, who can say to us, man, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You can do this. I know you can. Just keep trying. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Man, terrible analogies today. Good, Joe. I'm going through my movie knowledge. Forrest Gump and Finding Nemo. Now you know what I listen to. Encourage me. I need strength. Christian fellowship. One we struggle with. There's accountability when we come together. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Do you know what I need sometimes? I need someone that's willing to look at me and say, Hey, you're off track. Sometimes we don't recognize, like we set out for this, this goal, but I'm a, I'm a man and we get distracted by shiny things sometimes. And so I'm trying to walk toward that goal, but I I start getting off course. You know what I wish someone would do when I got to about here rather than when I got to outside the sanctuary? I wish they would restore me gently. I wish they could just say, hey, Steve, that's the mark you're shooting for. It looks like you're getting a little off mark. You know, if you just correct yourself about, about 23 degrees to the left, you'll be back on track. 
Man, we don't like accountability in the church. We're, you're calling me a sinner. You're judging me is what, what our, our responses come at times. Now, Scripture says we should do it gently. We should do it in love. We should do it with the Spirit of God that he's placed inside of us. But if we can't help each other, then who can? We're in this together. If we can't look at each other, who can? And you know what happens to this guy when I started here and I end up out there? I start looking at the people in there and blaming them when I'm in the middle of out there. Why didn't someone help me before? The body of Christ is designed so that we can hold each other accountable. When I think of restoring each other gently, the picture I had in my mind, I got pictures today for some reason. My kids, when they were little, not anymore because I don't hold Avery in my arms anymore. Uh, unless I'm sitting down. Um, but when, when they were little, and, and pastor would be talking to people after church, because people like to talk to pastors sometimes, that's a good thing. I'm happy about that as a pastor, that people like to talk to me. Do you know what my kids like to do? like to restore me gently. And so I'd be talking to someone, and I'd be having a conversation with Jim, and, and, and my kids, they'd grab my face. And I'd be trying to talk to Jim, and gently. I mean, it wasn't harsh, but they wanted my attention on them. They knew where my focus needed to be in their mind. And so gently, they just restored me back to that focus. And then I corrected them and told them I had more important things to do. Jim's more important than you right now. And then my wife later told me that you're... No, I'm just kidding. You see, there's strength. There's encouragement. There's accountability within the body of Christ. See, God designed this thing for a purpose because guess what? He's got a whole lot that he wants to accomplish. Romans chapter 12, we see this analogy quite a bit in Scripture. For just as each one of us has one body with many parts or many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace that's given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God designed the body of Christ. He says in First Peter, you like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're built into the body of Christ so that we can accomplish some really cool things. You know what I was thinking about this morning during worship? Other than my wife has a beautiful voice and how blessed I am to be in the sanctuary with her. I was thinking about the accomplishment of our church. You know, when we think about accomplishment, we can start saying, oh, yeah, dude, they are the Taco Tuesday church. They serve the best tacos in the world. More kids eat those tacos. There's too many kids from Crawford that have problems now because they've had too many tacos at Christ Community Church on the first Tuesday of the month. I can think about 1,800 water bottles or, or tables. And, you know, we can think about the accomplishments that are here. But I started thinking about the accomplishments And it's overwhelming to think that our church is partnering with a church in Iowa. And a suburb of Des Moines is being reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ because of our little part 
in the story. I thought about a phone call, a voicemail that I didn't return yesterday that I needed to return this week from Jeremy and Darylee Gaster saying, hey, we're on our way to Springfield for training because we're this close to getting to go to Spain. We're this close because of your church and, and your generosity and just and not that we did the whole thing, but because of our part in the process. Think about being able to be a part of what God is doing at Shadron State University, that we can invest in a couple that gets to minister to be there. I think about the reality that there are people in Senegal, Africa, that are drinking water because a church in Crawford, Nebraska, was able to, to, to donate, to be able to give money to build a well in, outside of a school. Think about the reality that There's accomplishment in the body of Christ. And that this church, that we get to impact the world. Wait, I'm not just saying that cliche like love God, love people. Oh, there's churches that have them weird slogans like love God, love people, impact our world. I'm saying that because it's happening. How else am I going to see the gospel in Africa? I'm not going anytime soon that I know of. But I'm a part of the body of Christ. And my roots got intertwined with some people who were just doing what God called them to do. And because they're doing what God called them to do, I get to be a part of the kingdom of God being revealed, whether it's in Shadron, whether it's in Wyoming, whether it's in Missouri, whether it's in Iowa, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Spain. It doesn't matter. I get to be a part of what God is doing. Man, that's cool. That's why he built the body of Christ. You know, there's, there's a part of the scripture where it talks about the body. He says some of the, some of the, 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 the decent and indecent parts, whatever, depending on your translation. Like, you know what? He knows how he put us all together. I've used an analogy before and I gave everyone a nut. Not bolts because we're all kind of nutty. But the nuts are important too. I believe that God's got incredible things that he once accomplished. I believe he's got things that are bigger than me and they're bigger than you. They're bigger than us. And we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of what he's doing as long as we continue to let our roots be intertwined. And guess what? We don't get to ask what church you go to. We just get to do it. Acts chapter 1, when Jesus made the promise of the Spirit of God, he said that you, the body of Christ, will be endued with power for what purpose? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And I want you to follow with me. There might not be a direct jump here, but in my mind there is. Jesus 
In John chapter 13, says, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. If you love one another. One of the greatest tools to be effective witnesses in the, God, in the kingdom of God, in the world. One of the greatest tools to be an effective witness in the world is described by Jesus in these verses. What did he say? By the love you have. By the fellowship you share. You'll be endued with power to be an effective witness. Hmm. I mean, I don't think about how it means in this room. I think about that, me being Peter, standing up before the crowd. What if I said, maybe God filled you with his spirit so that you could be better connected with the body of Christ? That he filled you with his spirit so that your love, the love that you have for each other, the love that you have not just for the people who look like you, who are the same age as you, but for the body of Christ, not just for the people who, who go to the same building or who listen to the same pastor as you, but because you genuinely love each other. He said the world will know. I think we need a revival of this kind of love. To me, Jesus is saying what what Galatians, what Corinthians, what Acts is revealing. Because remember how Acts 2, Sunday school class, you better remember. So Sunday school class, how does Acts chapter 2 end? That's your goal. Oh man, we've got to go back to Sunday school. Each day. God added to their numbers. God added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. I believe that a spirit-filled people should live in Christian fellowship with one another. I believe that our love should be so peculiar for each other that it causes others to hunger and thirst for what we're doing. I believe that that the way we stand with each other, that the way we hold hands underground in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the good, it is a revelation to others of the goodness of God and the plans of God. I believe it's a tool for evangelism that God has designed, that he's revealed through his word that I don't want to miss. Man. You guys can come forward. I'm not sure where we go with this. See what happens when you ask someone to come forward in church and they go the other way? (laughs) Christian unity, Carrie. I want the world to know by our love. I want us to be a people who are known for our love. Because I believe it's the product of the Spirit of God inside of us. Now listen, 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 listen. This is important. Esther preached on loving people and you know what's going to happen? You're going to walk in the foyer and someone's going to make you mad and you're going to say that cuss word in your brain that you never let come out of your mouth. 
And you're going to say, wait, pastor told me I'm supposed to love. This love comes from him. We'll make ourselves crazy if we try to produce this love in ourselves. This love is the product of the Spirit of God inside of us. It's not a love that we produce. It's a love that we can, we can cultivate. It's a love that we can grow. It's not a fruit that we produce. It's a fruit that His Spirit produces through us. So as, as we stand together, as we, as a body or, or, or a forest, as we are, are part of that, that, that community that is holding hands underground, we've got to recognize that our love is His love that's coming through us. It's not the love that I'm trying to produce because you'll fail every time. I try to love people. I mean, that's my job at times is to love people. And I know when I'm loving people and myself because I don't like them at all. And there's no joy in what I'm doing. I'm doing it because I'm supposed to. I want the fruit to come. I just want it to be produced in me and through me. That others can can find it when they come to me. This morning I'm going to have them lead us in a song, whatever song Carrie figured out in her divine wisdom. As she ran the other way, praying for the Lord to speak to her. And this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something that may be uncomfortable. We talked about trees that held hands underground. I'd like for us to hold hands above ground. So I'm going to ask that as a body, that we can stand to our feet, that we can find someone near us, and that we can hold hands together. And I'm going to agree for the purposes and plans of God. I want to pray for each other, that we can be filled with the Spirit of God. That as we're filled with His Spirit, that the product of that Spirit can come from us. I'm going to pray for for the situations. I don't know what winds have been blowing in some of your lives, but I want us to agree together for whatever storms people are enduring. You may not know why you feel a little tug like 14 trees away, but that person over here, that tree over here, man, the winds are ripping. But you can pray in faith for them, and part of you is strengthening is encouraging. So I'm going to ask, can you stand up? I'm going to ask, you get uncomfortable and hold someone's hand, even if it's a little clammy, even if they don't look like you. God, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the spirit of God who you've given every one of us. And we thank you, God, that through that spirit, you've given us fruit. You've given us gifts that are for the common good, the good of the kingdom of God, the good of the body of Christ. And God, I pray for our roots, that they would be healthy. God, I pray for those in this room that need the hand of God, that need the power of God, that need the goodness of God, that need the healing of God, that need the the forgiveness of God, whatever it might be. You know the winds that are blowing. You know the floods that are raging. God, I pray for them strength. I pray for them encouragement. I pray for them the ability to stand. 
pray for Des Moines. I pray for Shatter. And I pray for Senegal. I pray for Spain, God, for what you're accomplishing. I pray for us. God, that our lives would be what Jesus talked about in John chapter 13. That by our love, people will know. Use us. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to have Carrie and Tam sing. You can sing with them. You know, the cool thing is, pastors talked about fellowship. You can go talk to someone. You know, the cool thing is, you might want to go pray with someone. That's cool right now, too. We're a body of Christ. You might want to encourage someone. We can do that here. You might need to help someone. You can help them with accountability. We might be coming together to accomplish something. We're the body of Christ. Amen? And I'm excited for what God is doing. Let's just be trees. Amen? Not too hard. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face toward you and grant you his peace. And may you be a tree. Producing fruit and holding hands. Amen? Be blessed.